I'm uh, hoping you can uh, continue those conversations uh, after the service uh, with our time together. If you're visiting Canterbury Gardens, whether if you're watching us on live stream, hi, um, or if you're here in person, my name is Shabu. I have the joy of being one of the pastors at Canterbury. Uh, next week, we as a church, um, one of the things that we love to do as a church is take our time to different books of the Bible. Uh, and our plan is next week, we're going to begin looking at a book in the New Testament called 1 Corinthians. Uh, so we will, the whole small group ministry will be doing that as well. The 9am service will be doing 1 Corinthians. The 10.30 service will consider 1 Corinthians. There's going to be an evening service, once a month service. They'll also look at elements of 1 Corinthians. So we're going to really take quite a bit of time in just taking our time through 1 Corinthians. And so... Uh, one thing you can do to prepare your heart for that is read 1 Corinthians or listen to 1 Corinthians, um, perhaps this week. Uh, that would be great. But in the meantime, what I want to do is, as I've been pondering and considering as the year begins, um, I think the thing that's been stirring my heart is uh, the question that I've been challenged about personally is, should be, what do you treasure the most? What do you treasure the most? Um, I'm going to read from God's Word. Uh, it's from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. And so if you have a Bible with you, whether electronically or physically, if you could turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. And we're looking at verses 44 to 46. Uh, this is God's Word. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is God's word. Um, this morning I want you to consider something, and this is what I want you to consider. Uh, and I want you to maybe have a few moments to think about this, either by yourselves, and for the introverts, it's a great moment for you to reflect and consider. For the extroverts, you might want to turn around and talk about it. It's up to you. The question I have for you, what brings you great joy? Another way to consider is, what do you love talking about the most? What do you worry about the most? I want to give you a few minutes to consider that now, either in silence, or you can talk amongst yourselves. Go for it. Just for a few minutes. You are allowed to talk to each other if you want to. If you don't, just quietly sit. So that's the question I want us to consider this morning. What do you and I treasure the most? What captures our hearts 
our wills and our minds the most. Uh, with that in mind, would you join with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, you see every single person, every single soul, you see every single heart here this morning. We ask through your word, would you gaze our hearts and our very wills to the beauty and wonder of your kingdom? Would you change us? Would you challenge us? Cause us to reflect? And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would cause us to look to Jesus. May we walk away knowing him more. In Jesus' name, amen. I think most of us know this, uh, and maybe you've already know what I'm about to say. That is, many things in our life call out to us, can ask us to treasure that thing or that person above all. Perhaps you know this language of, metaphorically speaking, moving heaven and earth to get that thing or to get that person to, or to protect it or to pursue it. It might be for that very affections of that person. It might be for that ultimate dream job or promotion. It might be for that amazing coffee shop that you've been looking for. I hope you don't do that. Um, friends, uh, what we have in here are, are, are words. Jesus is speaking and what's known as parables. And you can look this up what parables mean. And specifically here he's talking about regarding the kingdom of God. Parables are a beautiful way that Jesus speaks. And what he's doing is he's putting two things next to one another. It's a juxtaposition. And the language is it's like ships in battle. It's a comparison of one another. It's to reveal the beauty of something. And particularly here in this context, the, the language of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. As one commentator put it, parables, they are stories with intent. There's a purpose behind it. So what's the intent here? Jesus is now speaking, and you can read this a few verses earlier, to his disciples. He's just spoken to them about the purpose of the very parables that they've been hearing Jesus teaching. A couple of things. One, it's both the fulfillment of scripture, prophecy, just as the Messiah would speak, that it would actually be hidden, the language of the kingdom, to some, through parables, but to the disciples, he's revealing it to them. He's opening their eyes and their ears to the truth of what it means. And there's a beautiful uh, scripture that Jesus says to them, they are indeed blessed. And in this particular parable, he speaks of two people, a man and a merchant. On both occasions, they find something of such great value, they do everything to get it and keep it. Firstly, in verse 44, here is a man who finds a treasure in a field. He finds it, and what does he do? He covers it up. The finding of it causes his heart, and the language is glad, but a better way to put it is, there's such joy in him that he can't help himself, but he has to go sell all that he has. He sees the beauty of it, and he goes and buys that whole field. Now, what's going on here? We remember this is a particular audience that Jesus is speaking to at that time, in particular as well, the disciples. Jesus is saying the situation of what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like this beautiful treasure in a field. And in this instance, actually, the man's not looking. He is actually found it by chance. Uh, It's a treasure that changes his life. He wasn't really looking for it. He came across it and went, wow. 
um, I remember a friend of mine telling me that uh, his grandma had passed away. It was a few years ago. His grandma had passed away, and he, uh, you know, as the family went to her, the grandmother's home to pack up things and, you know, put things away in the boxes and so on, uh, they went into the grandma's room and they looked under the bed and there were all these shoe boxes. And they wonder what's in here. Wads of cash. And he thought he'd found this amazing treasure. Friends, um, in this time, in this context, we're going to remember what's going on, right? The people are constantly a threat. War is real. This is before banks. This is before storage places. So it wasn't a surprise that people would actually bury their most valued treasure. Particularly as an army comes on to your land to take over, the best thing to do is bury it. But what would happen is, if they passed away, or perhaps they died in the attack, what would happen is the land would change many hands. It's often it wasn't found. No one knew it was there. What Jesus is saying is this is the reality of the kingdom of heaven. It's like this treasure that often it's unnoticed. It's hidden in its nature. And it's not that this man is actually searching for it. Rather, he's found it and he recognizes its value. And particularly in the context here, you've got to remember this Jewish audience. And, and according to the law at that time, if a workman came to this treasure and this field belonged to someone else, that treasure itself belonged to that owner. And this is why I think that person's hiding it so he can go and buy this land and it becomes his so he finds it to the point that he's willing to see the value of it and he sells everything he owns in order to gain this treasure the picture that's given here is the value and the beauty of the kingdom of heaven in other words it's so infinitely beautiful and wonderful it costs so much but there is a cost as well in following Jesus but it's worth it and to those who find this treasure, they find such joy. The point that they abandon everything to secure it. I remember I asked, what is it that you treasure the most? What do I treasure the most? That is what will determine how we end up living our lives. Uh, in a recent um, sort of survey to, uh, what, amongst Aussie adults, they asked, what do Australians value most? Um, now, another way of putting it is, what do Australians treasure most? Here are some of the things that the survey said. World peace. Honesty. True friendship. Equality. Social justice. Politeness. Comfort. And wealth. I find it quite interesting, I don't know if you've had time to reflect in the last two years and so on, and perhaps even this year. I wonder in our Aussie culture, something's really challenged all of us. As Australians in general, I think we've been pretty comfortable. And something's shaken it, and we are either going to fight all we can to keep that comfort in some way, shape or form. I've done that, I don't know about you. The question is, what length will we go to, to grab that treasure of comfort? And I think that's something we all need to consider. And often, we may understand this reality of the kingdom of God, but often what happens is something becomes so familiar that we see the beauty, we lose the beauty of it. Either we become so apathetic to it, 
because of the everyday life stuff. It drowns it out. And we forget to see the beauty and wonder of this. And right now, if you're someone who follows Jesus Christ, I want you to just seriously consider this. When was the last time you and I just paused for a moment and considered the wonder and beauty of grace, the wonder and beauty of the gift of salvation, the wonder and beauty that God saved you and invited you into his kingdom? Many of us weren't looking for it. Uh, This past week, I had the joy and privilege to meet with a ministry leader with one of the denominations here in Victoria. And I asked her the question, hey, how how did you come to know Jesus? She said, how long have you got? I said, well, there's entree, mains and dessert. So plenty of time, I think. And she turned around to me and said, well, she said, my parents are not Christians. They're still not Christians. I'm uh, one of three. I'm an identical triplet, and neither of my sisters Christians yet. And I remember the day that my parents went out to the shops and they came back with coloring books. And so my uh, one sister got something about horses or something, and the other one got something about you know rainbows and stuff. And the one that they gave me was a coloring book about the stories of the Bible. And she said to me, I don't know why, but something clicked. And since then, when I was a young girl, I pursued to find out who God is. What she had experienced was, she wasn't looking. God found her and revealed his truth and grace and warmed her heart and drawn her to to himself. What about you and for me? We need to consider the truth that God's grace, the values of who he is and his kingdom, he opened this truth to you, the kingdom of heaven to you and saved you. And perhaps you did sell all to follow. But in the very seasons that we all face, circumstance change, and perhaps there are other treasures now calling to you and say, here, come, follow me. The question I have for you and for me is what has replaced your joy, my joy. Note what happens to the person. He's, he's so overjoyed in what he has found, he sells everything. The question I have for you and for me still is the good news of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of our God, the kingdom of God, the rule of God over his people and his creation, which was established through his son, Jesus Christ, which is now present in this world, but yet also waiting and its fulfillment in Jesus' second coming. Still the thing that causes you and I to be joyful. This is still a treasure, friends. In other words, maybe somebody considers, what are you and I willing to get rid of in order for this truth to be our joy, to be our treasure? So from a man who stumbles on a treasure to a man who's actually searching Again, Jesus is speaking of the value and beauty of the kingdom of God. But this time we meet someone who's searching, a pearl dealer. He's looking for fine pearls. He understands what fine pearls are about. What does he do when he finds it? He finds a pearl of great value. He knows the value of this. He's an expert. He does what? He sells everything. All that he has to get this pearl. He understands that this pearl is far more valuable than anything that he has ever owned. 
Now I want to clarify here, this is not parables talking about buying yourself into the kingdom of heaven. That's not what it's about. But it's drawing the attention of the disciples then and to us to look how valuable the kingdom of God is. What's going on here are the two contrasts. And the context of the passage in front of us, you've got to remember the original audience. On one hand, you have one who stumbles on the kingdom and responds in faith to the truth and value of the kingdom is experienced through grace. That's the picture here. And the person whose life has been bound with pearls, and particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, remember the, the entire religious heritage of the Jews, they weren't fully comprehending this value of the kingdom of Jesus. What Jesus is revealing is, see, this is far better. This is what I have to offer. And they see the beauty of this, and they surrender what they have to pursue this beauty, to pursue the kingdom. And in the story of the Bible, we see this, right? And if you remember in the book of Acts, where there's this eunuch searching the scriptures. And what happens? Apostle rocks up next to him and says, Here, let me reveal this to you. This is what it is. I want to get baptized now. And you've got someone like the Apostle Paul, who was totally against the church. God in his mercy confronted him from his blindness, revealed the truth of the gospel. And life was changed. Friends, uh, we've got to remember this, this idea of the kingdom of God. There is also a cost. There's a cost. There's a cost in following Jesus. But it's worth it. When we grasp the beauty and the value of the kingdom of our great God. And the joy that it brings. The joy we have to be part of it now and also what is to come. It should change our lives in every area of our lives. Uh, here's the thing in church history, I think the saints of old really grasped this. And they knew the kingdom of Christ alone is that kingdom that truly brings true and great joy. This is the kingdom that offers deliverance and refuge. This is the kingdom in which our sins are forgiven, set free in order for us to serve the king. The kingdom in which we are invited and where we have a new status through Jesus and His work. The kingdom in, we have, in which we have peace with God. The kingdom where we have joy from God through His Spirit, even in times of darkness and trial. And we are part of a kingdom that does not decay or fade. One that's everlasting. This is the beautiful truth. And yet the truth is also that this kingdom is still something we can experience in fullness, but also a kingdom that is to come now. Friends, the invitation is for you and I to come and treasure the kingdom of God above all. I want you to consider this. If you're someone who's exploring the Christian faith, consider who Jesus is. Consider what he has done. And if you're someone who does know Jesus, is the kingdom of God still the treasure? I want you to know, we know this, if you are following Christ, it will cost you. Turning from sin costs. Completely submitting to Christ and His Lordship will cost us. Putting the things of the kingdom of God first will cost you in your workplace, in your home, 
in your school, in your uni, in your ministry. It will cost. Jesus didn't hide that. He made it very clear. And perhaps what I want us to consider this morning as we consider the year ahead, maybe something for you and I to reflect on, is this kingdom still the treasure? Is it still the treasure? I want you to remember though, because we talk about all this kingdom language, you've got to remember, for a kingdom to exist like the kingdom of God, there is a king who rules and reigns. Without him, there is no kingdom of God. Jesus, our saviour, the one to whom was the great cost, experiencing the wrath of the Father for our sin, counted it all joy, endured the cross through his death, his glorious resurrection, as the risen king who now reigns. He's not only extending his kingdom now, but also promises of the kingdom that is to come. This is what Jesus taught his disciples. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So as you and I look into this week, perhaps, what is bringing you and I great joy? Is it Jesus' kingdom? Or is it something or someone else? Even now, perhaps, God is challenging you through His Spirit, through His Word, to surrender in order order to see the value and treasure again. As we conclude, just as I started for you to consider, what I want you to do now is pause. Pray. What is God asking you to surrender? Is there something else that is taken this value of the treasure of the kingdom in its place. I want to give you a few minutes just to pause and reflect on that. Lord Jesus, uh, you see every single person here. You see all the things that call out to us to treasure that over you, over your kingdom and the things that matter to you. Please help us to see the great joy and value. Thank you in your mercy through your word, you're revealing these things to us. So in our workplace, in our family, in our homes, in our schools, in our ministry, may we treasure your kingdom above all. We pray this in Jesus' name.